Aaron Lawler-Patterson, The Goodness Chick. I'm a podcaster, motivational speaker, author, counselor, and proud part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Join me on the journey of navigating the joys and pitfalls of life, addressing mental health, addiction, raising kids, and giving back. If it takes a village, then join me as one of those villagers. Villagers wanted. I love going with natural products, big time. Um, I jumped on with Rocky Mountain Oils uh, as an affiliate, um, I guess a little bit over a year ago. Been using essential oils for a number of years now. Super duper amazing stuff um, from lavender that I keep with me at all times for rela- relaxation to peppermint. If I have a headache or a stomach ache using with um, coconut oil. Literally, there's just a myriad of uses to use them in all aspects of your life. If it's something you're interested in, I encourage you to hop on Goodness Chick Storefront, check it out. It is good stuff, my friends. All right, so very excited today. Today's episode um, on the heels of April being Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month, which is a big one, something we should be dialoguing about, need to be dialoguing about, can absolutely make people uncomfortable. Um, And kind of the goal here is to um, become more comfortable talking about an issue that affects so, so, so many people, what this looks like, um, the support involved. And today, um, our guest is Ashley Bendixson. Um, Ashley, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Excited that you're here. You are um, a national speaker, an activist, uh, an abuse prevention expert. And um, I've kind of had... Uh, the opportunity to check out a number of, um, you know, YouTube clips that you've had, um, hearing what you, your kind of the platform you're using, and and this month you've been real busy in terms of being in high schools and colleges, mm-hmm. right? You've been you've been super busy. Um, so can if I, we talk about this every day, <laughs> every day, which is which is spectacular and phenomenal. <laughs> high schools, colleges. Um, so we talk about. When it comes to sexual assault awareness and, and you being an, an abuse prevention expert, can you explain exactly, uh, you know, and I know there's a personal connection here, what kind of brought your heart to this place and talking to so many people about a topic that is so sorely needed to be discussed? Yeah, so it's definitely not a career or a path that I certainly set out or chose to enter into. But for me, it really was born out of my hardships and my struggles. And as a survivor myself, back when I was about 20 years old, part of my healing included me volunteering at a local women's shelter, um, trying to get involved in advocacy opportunities. And while doing that, somebody actually asked me if I would share my story. And I remember when somebody asked me to speak, I was terrified. I still really hadn't even told my family, my friends. It was just kind of something I was dealing with on my own. But I made the decision to, to be brave and to courageously tell my story at this event. And I wrote it out on like 10 pieces of paper and I was shaking and reading every word. But the second I was done telling my story, members of the audience came up to me and they shared their stories of abuse. And then they were asking if I would speak at local after-school programs and local schools. And I just realized the power of simply shining a spotlight on this issue, simply by talking openly about it. And so for me, you know, telling my story has helped validate the experience of, uh, experiences of others. I think had I heard a story like my own, I might have self-identified much sooner. And so I've kind of just, um, this has been my soapbox cause ever since I 
started volunteering my time to, to make a dent and make a change. Eventually, I studied the justice system, you know, worked in the field of victim services and advocacy, and, and now I'm just kind of taking my own spin on it and trying to do some really big prevention work on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, and, and you're doing some spectacular things. If you don't mind me asking, can you kind of mm -hmm. share with the audience what your story is and, and, and the fact that you are a survivor? Sure. So for me, I first experienced abuse, unfortunately, at the age of 14. Uh, it was my very first boyfriend. I was very innocent, young, naive, had never dated anyone prior to that. You know, my parents never talked to me about dating. They probably didn't think I was dating at 14 years old. But I entered into this first relationship and everything seemed fine until our first date when he uh, essentially sexually pressured me into doing things that I was not comfortable doing because I was young and scared and, and didn't really know how to stand up for myself or speak up for myself. Um, I just kind of fell victim to the coercion and to the pressure and I eventually gave in and that relationship continued on for my freshman and sophomore year of high school and it was this on again off again of him being kind and sweet and then this other side of him where he was um, very controlling and aggressive. And I ended up enduring severe verbal, emotional, and sexual abuse for almost my first two years of high school. Um, and because of that, and because I wasn't telling anyone, and I certainly didn't feel comfortable talking to my parents or teacher or an adult about these very personal things, I kept it all bottled up. And at a very young age, I developed self-esteem issues, depression. I was self-harming and cutting. I was drinking at a young age to cope with the stress and the, the, the self-esteem issues. And um, my grades were dropping and, and high school just became extremely challenging. And when I graduated high school and me and that boyfriend had split up, I remembered thinking when I went into college that now I knew exactly what to look out for. And, you know, you don't date someone that pressures you to do certain things or uh, calls you names or spreads, you know, rumors about you or shares personal information. And so when I went into college, I thought I had a pretty good grip on what abuse was and what to look out for. But unfortunately for me, I fell victim to another abusive relationship in college. And that was classic dating violence, domestic violence, which I still did not fully understand. Um, it's a much more difficult uh, experience because when you date someone who's abusive, they are very kind in the beginning, very sweet, caring, loving, they're charming, you fall in love with them, you invest in a relationship with them, and then over time, the little signs of control and abuse start to pop up in the relationship. And before I knew it, I had been with that boyfriend for two years. And he completely isolated me from my family, my friends, um, was very controlling, very possessive, had uncontrollable mood swings, um, was very physically aggressive, um, forced me to drop out of college, and just kind of turned my entire life upside down. So all said and done, I unfortunately only was able to break up with him after he severely attacked me one night. And I had to go through the court process and get a restraining order and do all of that. Um, but I kind of, in that moment, looked back at everything I'd thrown away, all of myself that I had lost, how my life had just kind of fallen apart. And I was only 20 years old. And I was so determined in that moment to 
one, put all the pieces back together and, and not continue to be a victim, but instead to make sure that I, I won for once, that I mm -hmm. could survive and thrive and, and achieve something for myself. And also to give back to other victims because I suddenly realized how common my situation was of falling in love with someone, thinking they're great, thinking that your situation is different or unique or like no one will understand. Um, but once I've started opening up and sharing my story, you know, people, we all share the exact same story. It's, it's textbook, but we just, we don't talk about this stuff enough. Yeah. That's why nobody thinks that they're going through it. Well, and I know, first of all, thank you for sharing something that's, that's extremely personal. Um, and you are a survivor. And reading, you know, one of the, the statistics you had um, on your website of being, you know, within that age group, um, sexual assault and, and, and volatile relationships um, are as high as one in three. I mean, if you, mm -hmm. if you contemplate, that's, that's a crazy number. And it's something, if it's, if it's this prevalent, how we need to talk about it and what, it, you know, as, as, a, as a counselor, how that's such an important thing to be able to be connected and talk to somebody and how so many people like, like you, you know, who didn't feel like they did have that ability to open up um, because it's scary. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. very scary. What was it so that, that you, you left the courtroom? Was that kind of like your light bulb moment? It was, um, you know, it was a really interesting, like out of body experience for me. I, you know, I felt defeated. I definitely was at rock bottom in my life. I had no idea what my next step was going to be. You know, I didn't have anywhere to go. I couldn't go back to my apartment because that was unsafe. My parents still weren't talking to me. And I left the courthouse and I had this moment where I sat down in my car and I looked at the seat next to me and it was entirely empty. And it was such a profound moment because it was the first time in over two years that my abusive boyfriend hadn't been sitting right by my side, dictating how I would spend the next minute of my life. And I felt so free in that moment. I remember thinking like, wow, I can go buy an iced coffee and not get yelled at, or I can put on my favorite song in the car and just take a longer drive home and not get in trouble or not have to face accusations when I get to the door. And I just felt so free. And I started to think about all I'd thrown away, the fact that I dropped out of college, the fact that I missed out on all these opportunities. And really for me, it suddenly hit me that I hadn't been doing anything for myself all the way back to when I was 14 years old and that first incident happened. So yeah, it was definitely a, a life-changing moment for me. I was just kind of fed up at that point. I was over it. I let it all go, you know, let all the baggage go and just decided to start moving forward as best I could. Yeah. And you've really been such a voice when it comes to talking about sexual, especially sexual assault, um, you know, unhealthy relationships. And I think, you know, to anyone listening now that whether they're a parent or there's somebody that might be in an unhealthy relationship, if you were to say, what are some red flags that you would say, you know, you are not in a healthy relationship. There are red flags that are going off that are saying, you know what, we can make excuses for people, but when our gut and our heart are saying things, what, what are those few things that you would say, you know what, this is absolutely the definition of an unhealthy, volatile relationship? Yeah, so I think, I think a big red flag is simply noticing that it's always one person in the relationship that seems to be instigating and initiating arguments, uh, disagreements. Uh, it's definitely a one-sided issue. 
And a big red flag is when incidents happen, there's an apology, but then it's just a matter of time before that same type of incident happens again. You know, when you are with somebody who's abusive, abuse is fueled by a need for power and control. So essentially everything that your partner does in some way impacts how you feel, how you act, how you think. They seem to have some kind of hold on every aspect of your life. So, you know, whether you can see your friends that day without upsetting them, uh, whether somebody can comment on one of your, you know, social media posts without them getting mad and questioning who that is. Um, you know, it just starts to infiltrate your thoughts to the point where everything you do and every aspect of your life has to get filtered through how it will impact the person that you're dating. Mm -hmm. So I think when you get to that point, when you start to feel smothered, like you just have to walk on eggshells to not upset them. I mean, that's a major red flag. And you said with, with, would you say both of the relationships or at least the second one when you were in college really was kind of a, a honeymoon period where everything seemed perfect, charming, luring, almost saying luring you in. And then, you know, when your heart is invested, things change. Um, and I, I, and I would say that person w was aware of the change, but, but this is where manipulation comes in and this is where a toxic relationship is evident. But would you say that it kind of plays mind games with you that like, I love this person, but you know, dot, dot, dot kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no one is abusive on the first date or the second date. Otherwise you wouldn't be yeah. in a relationship with that person. So yeah, you get invested, you develop loving feelings for someone, the abuse shows up later. But the thing is, there is a cycle in every abusive relationship where you're in this honeymoon phase in the beginning, everything's great. But then there's like this tension building and then there's some big outburst or some big incident or some big argument. They apologize and then you are right back to that honeymoon phase. So it becomes very confusing because you might have this huge argument, but then the next day they seem like their old self again. They're kind, they're polite, they're the person that you fell in love with, you think, great, we're back to normal, but then it's just a matter of time before this repeats. So, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people that haven't been in these relationships they think, well, why would you stay with somebody if it's that awful? Well, it's not bad all of the time. And that's the mind game that goes on. Some days they're loving and perfect. And you just pray that if you can get through your challenges and help them through their issues, that eventually it will all be good days. But unfortunately, the majority of the cases, abuse just gets worse. And, and it's very hard for somebody who's abusive to change. And it's not something that you can do for them. Right. But, but also, you know, you had mentioned when you had come out of court, you were sitting in your car and you looked to the passenger seat and that realization for really the duration of your relationship, it was all about him essentially, right? And self-care was absolutely put on the back burner. Um, so in terms of also being a, a toxic relationship, if it's all about that other person, um, that's uh, to me, that would be, that's an absolute red flag. That's toxic. If self-care, which we all need, it's absolutely essential for us as individuals, but also within a relationship is something that's neglected and something that you were really deprived from. We can't be healthy. Absolutely. And, you know, we fail to realize that. So we do a really good job of talking about things like depression and substance abuse and addiction and suicide, but we often fail to connect unhealthy dating relationships as a root cause of a lot of these problems, mm -hmm. especially among young people, you know, an unhealthy dating relationship, or if somebody has been, God forbid, sexually assaulted, that often leads to 
depression, self-esteem issues, anxiety, PTSD, suicidal ideations, uh, mm -hmm. substance abuse, addiction. I mean, it's all interconnected. So yeah, not only is it a lack of self-care, but you know, you personally become severely at risk for a lot of other um, consequences, short-term and long-term. But in particular, when we, we talk about high school and college students who might feel like, hmm. I want to talk, but I don't feel like there's anyone to talk to. Um, I know yep. you do a whole lot of presentations and sometimes kids can feel like, oh my gosh, you know what? I, uh, I don't know if I can ever tell this to my mom, even though mom would be willing to hear, but it, it's, I mean, some of the worst news you could never get. What kind of options, what resources, you know, can we throw out to our young people to say that, you know what, if you're ready to talk, this is where we can kind of guide you. Yeah. So when we're, especially when we're talking about younger people, when I go into schools and I speak, I always encourage these students to open up and talk to someone because I believe one of my biggest mistakes was keeping it bottled up and thinking that I could manage it myself. I wasn't able to see the devastating impact this had on me by not seeking help from someone. So I think I would encourage everyone to open up and talk to someone. Um, there's a lot of reasons that a, a, a teenager or a student or someone younger might not want to talk to their parents, might want to not want to tell a teacher. You know, for me, I wasn't supposed to be dating. So I certainly was afraid that, you know, if I opened up and said what happened, now I'd get in trouble because I broke rules and I wasn't supposed to be out on this date. So and, and honestly, you know, it's, it's yucky, personal stuff. You don't want to talk to your parents about it or a random teacher. But a lot of people fail to realize that there are so many free resources. Mm -hmm. You know, every single community has a free agency, um, you know, where you can get free counseling or there's hotlines that are anonymous. I'm, I'm always reminding teens that if they're afraid they're going to get in trouble or that they're going to trigger a report by talking to someone at school, it shouldn't be a reason for them not to talk to anyone at all. And so there's, there's teen crisis text lines, there's teen dating violence and sexual abuse hotlines where they can simply just talk to someone when they're in a time of need, when they're having an anxiety attack, when they feel like self-harming. There's people they can always reach out to and talk to. So um, I think the community resources and the internet resources are huge. And I think more people should be aware of them and hopefully using them. Yeah. I think the anonymous hotlines for a lot of young people kind of are give, uh, given green light where, you know, I'm, I can get this off my chest and can receive some advice without necessarily having the attachment of you know, coming forward to everybody, but beginning the healing process. And I think as human beings, when we've gone through any kind of trauma, it's finding the way that fits you, just like you kind of mentioned before, to begin healing. Um, whether that's, you know, and, and I do think self-care is a part of that. Not everybody wants to talk about what happened. I absolutely agree with that. But I do think where it's infusing ways of healing through self-care, whether that's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's counseling or whether it's, you know, going to the gym or it's going, you know, going to an art class or a pottery class, whatever it is, that it's finding ways to begin to allow yourself to heal. Because I do think when we, we can, not necessarily putting a lid on it, it isn't always the case, but it can come out in other ways when we talk, you know, getting depressed or, or bouts mm -hmm. of anxiety, or I feel this way for so long, of course, I'm going to pop pills or I'm going to drink because we don't like to feel that way. So finding ways 
you know, whether this is a, you're a parent listening, you're a teacher, you know, you're, you're a college student. When we hurt, we all need to find ways to kind of get our path in terms of healing. Um, because if we don't, it just beats the heck out of us. And, and what I love, love, love about, you know, the phrase you, you use and the phrase I've used is you're a survivor. Um, when you're a victim of something, we talk about the path of be becoming a survivor. And I'll say like listening to you and hearing, you know, different people I've talked to over the years that some of the really most dynamic, effective human beings have been through so much who have chosen to funnel that to really change the world. And I think when we kind of relay that to young people, old people, whoever it is who've been through trauma, I think we put a different spin on it that it's, you know, we can funnel. It doesn't mean you have to be up and speaking in front of people. It can, but what are you going to mm -hmm. funnel and, and, and allowing it to be part of your healing process? Um, you know, I, I think is, is, is very, is an important thing to kind of convey and you're doing that. Yeah. I mean, I, I always close most of my presentations by saying, you know, for me, disadvantage has been one of my greatest advantages in life because mm -hmm. it's taught me to be determined driven, have more to fight for, realize that life is short, that opportunities are fleeting, and it teaches you to be resilient. And, and for me, I've been able to discover who I really am out of all of this because, you know, I was lost and now I'm found. And, yeah. um, you know, it's been an amazing personal journey for me. So absolutely, whatever your challenge is in life, you, know, you can use it to grow. It can be a stepping stone and it can be a catalyst to a much better life if you mm. are willing to look at it that way. Right. Absolutely. If you're willing to look at it that way. And I know that can take, you know, whether it's a short window of time or an extended period of time, everybody's different, but I do. Mm -hmm. I love, I love that, that it's, you know, taking that as it's now it's a part, it doesn't define you. It's a part of you, but using that mm -hmm. to, to really, um, to change lives. And I do when, you know, whether I'm talking with a young person or somebody who's been, you know, in the mental health field, that life is really, really fleeting. Life is very short. Um, mm -hmm. bad things happen to us that we, you know, we can't always explain and man, it can, can beat the heck out of you emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, but I do believe in all things that it's mindset. I really, really do. And it's easier to mm -hmm. say, you know, in the moment, but fighting for yourself and fighting for the fact that we are not in this alone and that it is, um, so many hearts, so many young people, when you're, you know, speaking to these audiences, you know, Ashley, that have, when you say almost one in three, have been affected and that can feel that connection and some who will come and talk to you and others who might never talk to you, but you know what, they're on Google that night looking up a hotline number. And so this mm -hmm. is what seeking help mm -hmm. and seeking more than where they're at. And, and that is what we need to keep dialoguing, dialoguing. And we, you know, still have half of April left but we have 12 months in a year where this happens, right? And so it's, it's not mm -hmm. being limited just to an awareness month, but continuing to talk. And as we wind down, is there anything you kind of would like to leave with our listeners? Well, I, I think, um, you know, I've been doing this work for a long time and I really feel like we are on the cusp of impacting real change. We're seeing it with the Me Too movement. All it takes is enough voices casting a shameful light on these issues mm -hmm. where we start to, you know, tolerate it less and it, it serves as a deterrent. So I think just keep talking about it. Um, anyone out, out there who, you know, has a young person, I hear time and time again that 
parents talk to their kids about safe sex and some of the more obvious common things, but talk to them about healthy qualities in a relationship. And if they're dating, check in with them, even if you think they're not dating. I mean, I spoke to some fifth graders yesterday and apparently the fifth graders are dating. So start early, talk to them about relationships and, and just make sure that reinforce the messages that if they ever feel badly about anything, they can come and talk to you um, because I do wish I would have opened up and that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I made. So reinforcing that they can come to you if something's wrong. Yeah. The, the, the link to communication is big time. I want to say thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, if anyone, you know, you're listening and you want to get some more information um, about Ashley, I'd encourage you to hop on ashleybendixon.com. I have the link will be in the notes please check it out. She, if you are, you know, a school college and you're looking for a speaker, check her out. She is a rock star uh, doing some wonderful, wonderful things. Ashley, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for being today, being here today, being you today. And to my listeners, peace, love, and goodness, my friends. If you enjoyed today's show, I encourage you to visit goodnesschick.com and sign up for my newsletter, providing insights, encouragement just for you. Thanks for listening, my friends. Mm -hmm.